The debate about cannabis is everywhere, and a few weeks ago, it was the subject of a distinguished panel at Tufts University. That's where we found Jessica Bartlett from the Boston Business Journal. Her beat, the emerging cannabis industry in Massachusetts. Our conversation is next on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called cannabis sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Today on location at my alma mater, Tufts University in Medford, Massachusetts, where the cannabis debate will be going on. It's a panel discussion and breakout discussions about the cannabis world, because after all, there's so many things to talk about. Joining me today here in a classroom at Tufts University, and I don't think I ever took a class in this room, I just want to say, is Jessica Bartlett from the Boston Business Journal. She's a native of Duxbury, Massachusetts, and she's joined me here to kind of keep an eye on what's going on, not only in the cannabis world, but here at the Cannabis Debate at Tufts University. Once again, a reminder that this podcast is available on the CMN or the Cannabis Multimedia Network. Go to cmn.com. It's also available on iTunes and iHeartRadio. And of course, our flagship affiliate, the uh, clnsmedia.com group. A video recording, as you can tell, is being made right now that we will be running not only on our CMN website, but also on the WeedTube Com. Jessica, thank you so much for coming in and meeting me here. Yeah, Welcome to the me. old hood. I know. It's great. So let me tell you about the time I played soccer at that field. No, I'm not going to go there. So I appreciate <laughs> memories. it. Memories. Oh, my goodness gracious. I've had some great memories here, best four years of my life, and I just can't believe I'm here at Tufts talking about legal cannabis yeah. and a, just a huge growing industry that never ceases to amaze me. And I'm I think the word was fascinating. I was talking to Kalima over here, media relations from Tufts, and the word fascinating yeah. comes up all the time to discuss to, when people are talking about this business. Yeah. Do you agree? Fascinating? Great fascinating, way? Fascinating, absolutely, and ever-shifting. I mean, it's, it's a faster-evolving field than even healthcare. So it's a lot going on. That's right. And right now, not as political, although political certainly will be playing mm-hmm. a role as it gets bigger and bigger and more and more money comes in and influencing and all that. Speaking of politics, and money. Uh, it seems like the uh, safe banking bill has moved out of committee. I think it was a 45 to 15 vote. Mm-hmm. And now that I think the next step is to take it to the full house for a vote. Is mm-hmm. that, isn't that how 
that works in America? Yeah, that's my understanding. <laughs> I mean, there's still a number of steps it has to clear before mm -hmm. this becomes law, but it's an incredible first step and a promising first step in solving what has been a very prominent problem for the industry. They have no place to bank. Right. But well, and the problem is that some banks have entered into the space, but the number of banks is quite low, um, and they're also being very quiet about it because there's still that fear the federal government could come in and seize all of their assets if they are doing business with banks. And I'm sure you're familiar with the Century Bank Group. Yes. It's one of the few banks in Massachusetts that actually accepted medical, I don't like to use the M word, uh, cannabis mm. operations. Mm -hmm. And the Sloan family is someone I've known for a long time, and, they're, and I think Marshall's still around and kicking and going to work every day. It's pretty remarkable. And, yeah. and one of the children, Jonathan, is a Tufts alum and a friend of mine. Oh. Yes. So even though he's not involved with the bank anymore on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I know his family is still very proud. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the cannabis thing. Obviously, uh, having banking opening up perhaps in the next whenever um, will be exciting for the industry. Beyond the banking, the next big, really, issue, mm -hmm. and especially here in Massachusetts, has been the, the host agreements, town to town, the yeah. way the laws are set up, the law that was voted in by voters a few years ago, is right. that you, know, you have to get an agreement with the town that you're going to operate in mm -hmm. before you can even go to the commission to get the licensing. Right. It's a prerequisite for even applying to the state, which yeah. some might think that's the biggest hurdle. But in reality, the biggest hurdle is just finding space. And then once you found that space, finding a town willing to work with you to zone it properly and then sign these contracts. And, then, and whenever humans get involved with different negotiations, let's just say there have been some agreements that aren't exactly what the law was put in place with a 3% uh, local thing. And they're well, looking, yes. I mean, I mean look, when the, when the chairman of the commission uses the word fast and loose to describe some of the uh, deals that have been played, um, that gets my attention. So it's interesting. It depends on who you ask, really. Mm -hmm. um, it is within the bounds of how the state law is written, but the legislators would argue that it is not in the spirit of the law, which said, you know, 3% cap on the fees given to a town. Um, towns have taken that to mean that this one fee can be capped at 3%, but in addition to that are charging um, thousands of dollars in uh, volunteering um, in payments to nonprofits, um, in supplemental payments annually. So there's really a number of things that these towns are charging in addition to that 3%. And now keep in mind that's on top of all of the taxes that these people are already paying to right. do these towns. And here's the, here's the question. Of course, Jessica's been covering the cannabis beat here in Massachusetts for a, a while. Yeah, five years. Holy moly, five years. Yeah, that's fantastic. And by the way, I've enjoyed your work, and Thank that's you. one of the reasons why I was like, oh my God, this is great. I really wanted to meet with you and talk with you. Yeah. So here's the question I have, and I guess it's really more of an opinion, mm. an educated opinion than anything else. Are they... We all know that they're retarding the growth and the launch of this industry, both on, uh, certainly on the adult rec use side. Yeah. But are they going, not too far, but going to the point where if you want to get into this business, it's almost cost prohibitive. Is it really a good business to get into? Well, That's at what end of the business can you find? It really depends on if you have enough capital to make it through that first step because mm -hmm. before you can even negotiate a contract you need a space and so you're paying rent 
or uh, your your mortgage payments on a property long before you can even get to the state for an application process. And that's incredibly capital expensive, uh, intensive. And so uh, do you have enough money to move forward through that to get to the point where you can even start making a profit? And, and of course, if you're a businessman, profits are supposed to be pretty important to right. getting your to business. Right, this is business, Right, all. it is, but it, you know, it almost looks like they're doing everything they can to not allow the businesses to make the money they certainly expected to make mm. before the market even emerges. And let's face it, I mean, adult rec use hasn't started since November 20th last year. So, right. I mean, we're not even, is that six, not even six months in. Right. So well, if you think about it, two years since uh, recreational cannabis was legalized in. Right. in the state. Voted in. Voted in. And I think we have 12 dispensaries now. Right. It's been six years since medical marijuana cannabis was passed. Right. We have 50. I, I mean, the, the rollout uh, has been excruciatingly slow in both respects. Well, I'm going to point the figure right at the governor for this one. Okay? The governor, okay. Yes, I am, because he wanted them to go... Take it, get it right. Now, which governor? The Baker. I'm going to throw okay. Charlie Baker under the bus here, only because he's done a great job as governor, mm -hmm. but he's also done a great job of slowing the growth and the beginning of this industry. Well, and I that's, mean, by the way, my opinion. Just saying. I, I take a slightly different. I'm view. sure you I would. Don't, don't forget, you've covered it for five years, and I'm just been a mouth <laughs> for about a year. No, but I, I. Well, the medical cannabis program really started under Deval Patrick, and Correct. so I, I think that the program that he instituted around medical cannabis, that rollout was incredibly problematic. I applaud the work the state has done in the recreational cannabis space. Mm -hmm. I think it's been methodical. It has been very slow, but the state has tried to remove every roadblock they can, but they can't get to the issues here, which is finding space and finding towns that are willing to negotiate agreements. And I'm telling you, once again, the biggest reason is those towns that are being run by human beings, mm -hmm. it's just another pain for them to actually do a little due diligence and learn about this product. Look at the science and the research. Don't just assume that you, because you've made your opinions about it over 80 years of propaganda and misinformation, you know about the plant. But how are you to overcome 80 years of reefer madness propaganda? I mean, I think... I have a plan. You do? Yeah, absolutely. The, the fact that there hasn't been a public service campaign talking about the benefits and the use, the proper use, mm -hmm. it's an adult use product, used responsibly, right. can enhance your life. Have we ever heard a public service announcement with that kind of a theme? No. And, that, and I point the finger at the Department of Public Health, who put back a very rude email to me yesterday when I asked about it. Yeah. I was like, they pushed it right over to the Cannabis Commission. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Well, the Department of Public Health doesn't have oversight of this anymore. But it's a public health issue. It is, but they have relegated all of because these nobody wants to, the to deal with control. it. I understand, and maybe that's a, term, a form of respect. Maybe it's a form of bureaucracy. Okay, it, all of those things, but somebody has to inform the public. The Cannabis Control Commission has, to their credit, uh, launched a number of videos about using. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I, 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 go ahead, you can go ahead. I'm, <laughs> you can defend them, and I like them. I think they're doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. And Shalene Title will be on this panel today. Yes, and she's been a very outspoken awesome. member about the, right. the challenges and the mm -hmm. hurdles that are yet to be overcome by the right. industry. But go the, ahead. there has been a small attempt to mm -hmm. start to launch some kind of PSA, not necessarily about the benefits of cannabis, but about the how laws. to use it. Right. 
and that little animation about, did you know you could grow your own six plants yes. for, per adult per household? Well, that was a great thing. But mm -hmm. you know what? That, that's not going to overcome 80 years of propaganda. But in addition to the 80 years of propaganda, we had the entirely divisive campaign to legalize recreational cannabis. I don't think anyone forgets that ad that said, Kevin, you know, as he walked out of the cannabis store. That was store. the anti-question four yes, ad that was out that there. that sticks in people's oh, minds. Oh, no question and about so it. we're still trying to overcome that. And it will be a slow process. The more people that see cannabis stores open in their communities, the sky doesn't fall down, maybe some tax revenue comes into the town. Zombies aren't running around the streets. It, everything is going to be fine. People will come to understand this isn't some kind of devil's right. You're actually drug. you're actually describing what I consider to be the new normal. Mm. You know, it's almost like you need to accept this now and get yourself educated. And I talk to parents about this all the time. Oh, what about the kids? What about the kids? I'm like, excuse me, you have to talk to your kids. If you're a parent, mm -hmm. guess what? That's a lifetime contract that you sign up to give unconditional love to your child. And you better be willing to talk to them about the things that they're going to know about before you know about it. But here's the problem. Go ahead. There's quite a few problems. There are. Go ahead. But in this particular instance, mm -hmm. I think the problem is that the research on cannabis is minimal because the hurdles to even getting those plants to researchers have been insurmountable. Mm -hmm. These people receive federal dollars. It's a federally Schedule One drug. They cannot do the research that would even prove that this isn't a problematic drug. And so when you say, you know, look at the research, where? Okay, the so only thing that's out there is from dispensaries, which are biased in their own right. No question and a great point by you. Did you know, and I'm going to give Dr. Uma Danabalan credit for this because mm -hmm. she's the one who enlightened me to mm -hmm. this. There's been a ton of research about this drug. 29,000 studies by the substance abuse groups that get money have been done on cannabis. And what are they looking for? The negative effects of the drug, not the positive effects. Right. And when you are doing a survey or a, or a study and you know that's what you're looking for, and you don't get your results, you're going to keep trying to do it. And that's why there have been 29,000 studies on cannabis mm -hmm. and the side effects and uh, is it addictive and how much and all this. 895 on opioids, that's an incredible difference. Mm -hmm. And why? Because for years, as we know, cannabis has been an illegal substance. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for reasons to put that... This is your brain on drugs. Put the fear on you that you can't survive and you're going to become a, a demon if you start using this product. But this isn't a problem relegated to cannabis. I mean, this is a problem 100%. with psychedelics, which are also getting a Correct. day in the sun to become a, Absolutely. a medical... Yep. Uh, oh, you know about psilocybin. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, ketamine treatments for yep. depression. And mm -hmm. so we're having a, a sea change here with how we view recreational drugs and how they might actually serve us in a medical fashion. But we need the research in a medical arena Correct. to talk about, well, what benefits does this actually have? What strains of exactly. these drugs yep. perform these benefits? Mm -hmm. I mean, that research really hasn't happened. I'll agree 100% with you, and, and I will also salute the, the land of my people, Israel, that they're doing a great job, actually, and have, have kind of carved a niche out in the world, mm. you know, as far as doing the research and some of the studies on some of the benefits of how to use this responsibly. And, right. I keep, and I'll tell you what, this is what I preach. People are calling me the preacher too, because I'm like, guys, we've waited a long time for this. Don't screw it up. Mm. It's an adult use product. Just like alcohol, you need to learn how to use it responsibly. Right. That's why they make it over 21 for crying out loud. And that's why parents have to be comfortable talking to their children about the dangers of alcohol, 
of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Oh, that little drug that all of us are pretty much addicted to every morning when we have our coffee. Caffeine and nicotine are two far more addictive drugs than, than both of those adult use fun ones that we're talking about now. Right. So again, I tend to preach a little bit and uh, I get frustrated. I'm very passionate about this. No, and that's that level of passion is what's really carried this industry forward mm -hmm. up till now because mm -hmm. there's been so many things to overcome that you needed that that fervor in order to even get this far. Well, fervor is my middle name. So I that know. works out pretty well. <laughs> I think at this point I'm having a lot of Good. fun meeting some great people like yourselves to talk about this. And of course, a forum like Tufts is putting on today um, with all the little academics, and I, I love I love people with letters after their names. You know what I mean? PhD, <laughs> Me too. MBA. Mainly because I'm jealous. But right, yeah. right. Well, mine, I guess the, the letters after my name, besides the BA Tufts University in 1979, you know, a little THC, a little bit of this and that, let's just say. Um, but I, I also want people to understand that I was able to be a functioning adult for a long time mm -hmm. as a user and did take 10 full years off, completely sober. When I was working at New England Cable News from 1992 to 1998, full-time, having my own show, mm -hmm. every show was straight. I want to make sure people understand that, just because they all think, oh, that's that guy, oh, he's a user, he does you know, because he's trying to, no. I, but it wouldn't matter even if you had been using cannabis. I would have been as entertaining as I certainly was. I don't know if my ratings would have increased or decreased. But, but if you're not, I did my job, by the way. Yeah, that's but what people, I did. I think there's a there's a misconception too that people who are using cannabis are using it 24 seven, and that's that's not the case. No, it is not. In fact, a lot of C level people I know, I'm not going to name them, um, use it at night just like I do medicinally. Mm -hmm. I have a card. I have horrific arthritis. They're kind of gross. I'm sorry to show them, but it it shows you that I've got. Chronic pain. I live in chronic pain. Mm. And that was even before I got hit in a red light a couple of weeks ago. Right. So, again, it, it, is, it has its uses. Um, it, for those that suffer from insomnia, mm. it has helped so many people sleep through the night. And I don't know if you know anyone, perhaps a little older than you, that has issues with sleeping. Because as you get older, more and more people have trouble with sleeping. Right. This is a great way to actually help you sleep through the night. Well, I've heard, I mean, people my own age and people um, older than me using not just cannabis, but CBD in mm -hmm. order to sleep better. Mm -hmm. Again, the science behind that is it's all anecdotal. It's all these people saying, I've taken this and it has helped tremendously, but we need the science to back it up. I agree 100% with you. The more science you have, the more weapons you have to to counter any argument that's out there. Yeah. It's actually one of the reasons why I'm excited to hear the debate because I really think I can make a case for any anybody who comes at me with anything and explain it to them. Mm -hmm. um, granted, I don't know what my frontal lobe of my brain is up to, <laughs> okay, or what effects it's had. All I know is I've had an amazing life, a really good career, and now I believe so much in this cause to be having the opportunity to tell the stories of the industry through the industry's words, through the media who have covered it so well. Right. And that gets me so excited that this is going to happen now, and I'm in it. Right. Well, so, you're going to have to be in it for a time longer because there's still a lot to do. There's still a lot of problems. We still have a very nascent industry here. Absolutely. And, and really and truly, everybody I talk, we're talking three to five years at least mm -hmm. until we may see it erased from the federal. Uh, what I'd like to see is it get descheduled because it does not belong uh, side as a Schedule One drug. 
because even the government admits that there is some additional value to this because they granted a CBD patent to Canalife, which is a company controlled by the National Institute of Health. So they're a little hypocritical here. Well, I think, though, that the Safe Banking Act is a telltale sign yep. that the federal government is not ready to deschedulize cannabis because they're taking this baby step in order to allow a segment of the industry to work with cannabis mm -hmm. but aren't taking the whole whole skill step that's needed. Oh, is this the same government that passed the Farm Bill that allowed farmers to grow hemp in order to produce CBD, but they didn't really figure out exactly what that meant? Right. To the point where when the FDA commissioner leaves, right, he's like, well, I'm not going to have to deal with this. Let the guy behind me deal with it now. And even the legislators are now looking for guidance on, okay, so like, what is going to be the law? But I don't think that we can shift all the blame onto our federal legislators Oh, no, but they're well. easy. It's like the media. You're right? They're, they're, e they're easy think, targets. Yes, easy targets. They're Maybe easy that's targets. why I empathize so exactly much. Exactly right. <laughs> but if you even look at our own state, yes. we could not legalize recreational cannabis on our own. It took a ballot initiative. Correct. And, and New just, Jersey just went through the same thing. Yes, and it, it failed. I mean, Correct. my focus is on Massachusetts, but... It's still education, Jessica. It really is. If they read your articles for the last five years, they'd learn... You should subscribe. <laughs> Sorry, please do. And you can do that online, too. You can, yes. yes and that's the important thing. Bizjournals.com slash Boston. We were talking about... Um, holding the newspaper yesterday on the Behind the Media yeah. podcast with Dan Lothian and how much we enjoy it. Now, Dan is plus 50. I am plus 60. <laughs> and uh, so it, there's something about that, you know, growing up holding the Globe Sports page every single morning of mm. my life and still do, by the way, although it's now on my phone as opposed to in a, in a paper product. But I do get the Sunday paper delivered because I really do enjoy holding a book, holding a magazine. By the way, when was the last time anybody your age or younger, you actually saw them holding a magazine or a newspaper? It's well, not... in the comfort of our own homes, maybe. But yeah. I am a, I'm a person of my generation. I am a millennial. I'm yeah. a card-carrying millennial. You are proud of it. Proud I like of that. it. I'm not going to be ashamed about Good for it you. anymore. Good for you. Yes. You can enlighten me a little bit more, though, because I'm fascinated by your generation. Really? <laughs> yes, I am. We're not all that complicated. Uh, I won't speak for all of us. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I am... You know, one of the people who loves to read and experience media on my phone, mm -hmm. on my tablet, on my computer. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I shouldn't say this on. You can say it. Come on. <laughs> Trust me. I've admitted that I used it as a child. Okay. And through no, my I'm college years. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't admit that I don't like holding a physical paper. Gotcha. Uh, it's it's not it's a okay. good thing for a journalist to say. In, in the but print I do, world. But you're multimedia. You, you're, we are. You're and you can experience content in so many different ways. We were Correct. talking about this earlier right. through video, through audio, right. all incorporated in one little package. Why restrict yourself to just one? Right. It's about MMJ, multimedia journalists. Yeah. And I teach that at Dean College, and I teach that at Curry College, and I'm proud to say I do. I'm amazed, by the way, that I'm the one who's schlepping around the camera still when I could find a college kid who Keeps could really help young. me. Well, I'll always be young, thankfully, for my name. But you're right, the body, ah. the body is not. And, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. But Jessica, I, I, I've so enjoyed talking with you. I know that I hope now that we can continue this because I really respect your work. I respect Dan Adams and Naomi Martin from the Boston Globe as well. Met both of them face-to-face -face at NECAN this past weekend. Oh, okay. Sat on a media panel with Dan. And, I, you know, it's not easy being a member of the media these days. You know, you, look, I, <laughs> I'm not sure I could handle the, the pressure, not the pressure so much, but the, the finger pointing mm. of the public at the media, blaming and the war that exists. There's a civil war 
going yes, on. But I think it's really gotten a lot more people engaged who would never be engaged otherwise. Interesting. Right. So Especially younger online. people, you think that they're actually yes. seeing it and they're more passionate about it and, and they're are saying, supportive of it. Right. Because they understand suddenly why this is critical. That's fantastic. Jessica Bartlett of the Boston Business Journal. Please subscribe, like, share. Did I miss anything? No. <sighs> crazy world out there. But that's how it has to work these days. Mm -hmm. it, you can't just put out a full page ad in a newspaper and get, watch everybody react to it. Well, you still can do that too. I know you can, right. <laughs> but I don't know how many people will react to it. My point is you can't reach the whole market yes. with one ad. That was, you know, it's reach and frequency. True. How many eyeballs, how many times. That's media and marketing 101. There you go. And you, you know, there's you, your lesson for the day. That's your lesson for the day from the preacher teacher, Jimmy Young. Uh, Jessica Bartlett, again, from the Boston Business Journal. Thank you so much for meeting me out here at Tufts. You know how special it is. I do. We'll Thank have you. many more episodes of In the Weeds coming up. And please subscribe to CannabisMultimediaNetwork.com. And, of course, if you can't spell out all those words, go to CMN. Com. For Jessica Bartlett and our friends here at Tufts University, I'm Jimmy Young. We'll see you next time on In the Weeds. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. 